today. It's good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. You look good. Look at your neighbor and say, you look great today. Now look at the person on the other side that doesn't look so great and say, you look great today. Because I know you look both ways. If you're joining us online, welcome and thank you for being a part of Faith Co. Church. Remember, no matter where we are, we're always part of his church. I'm continuing a series today. Actually, I'm concluding a series called Breakthrough. Hasn't this gone really, really fast? This series, Breakthrough, actually, I'm concluding t- today's uh, series, but it's going to take two weeks. So uh, it's, it's one message in two weeks, and I'm really excited about this message. David, when he defeated his enemy in 2 Chronicles 14 and 8, says, God has broken through my enemies by my hand. In other words, God enabled me for a breakthrough in my life. He says, like the breakthrough of waters, therefore, they named that place the God who breaks through or the God of breakthrough. Is, there's a, is, is there a place in your life where you feel stuck? Is there a place in your life where you feel like there's an obstacle that you can't get past or you can't get through? Like David, I believe that God is going to give you a breakthrough if you will believe that. We've been talking about what a breakthrough is and when we need them. We talked first week and said that we need a breakthrough when we first need a win. You remember that? A breakthrough is a win. Um, second week, we talked about you need a breakthrough when you feel like you're going through hell. That's, that's one time when you, you might need a breakthrough. And last week, we talked about how you need a breakthrough when it feels like you're facing death in your life. Well, today, I'm going to be talking about breakthrough. And next week, I'm going to be talking about breakthrough when you feel like you have to face your greatest fear. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Speak to us by your spirit through your word. In Christ's name, and everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. I have a question for you. What do you fear the most? What do you think of? What do you think of? What what are you afraid of? Um, I have this cousin who is, she is fearless. She will jump out of an airplane. She will scuba dive 150 feet deep. Uh, she, will strap, uh, she will put straps on her ankles and jump off a bridge and bungee. But she will lose her faith over a mouse in her house. She, I, I, I have seen her crawl up on the table of her house and call her husband home because there was a mouse in the house. I have seen, there was a mouse that got in her car that tormented her for months, and she would not drive that car for, for months. She's just so afraid of a mouse. Nothing else in her life makes her more afraid than a mouse. I've seen people lose their religion after walking through a spider's web. You ever seen that? No, the, hey, listen, there is, there's nothing, when you walk through a spider's web, and, and when it's really thick and it's really strong, you know, the bigger the, the web, the bigger the spider, so, you know, you, you, you dance and you dance. I've seen people dance a jig and say some ungodly things after walking through a spider's web. Uh, but you can go through some bad things and you can experience some terrible things because of fear. I want you to know that I've experienced some bad things in my life, and if you've been here for very long you know that we call these bad things travesties. Now, you know what a travesty is, right? (laughs) A travesty, thank you guys. A travesty is a very bad thing that happened to Pastor Travis that he uses as a message illustration. As a young man, I remember one particular time in my life 
when I was most afraid. Now, I grew up in the early to the mid-80s when horror movies were just arriving on the scene. Now, the, mo the scary movies in the late 70s or before that, they weren't so bad. You know, they were in black and white and they were a sea creature or something like that. But in the late 70s, early 80s to the mid-80s, they st we started seeing monsters dress up with coveralls and masks. Halloween, Friday the 13th, Freddy Krueger. Do you remember these movies? And all of a sudden, scary movies went to a brand new level that nobody had ever seen. And that was just, when we were in high school, that was just a terrifying thing. And you would think about that when you were in dark places. Well, that being said, if you drive one mile west out of Tecumseh, the only stoplight in that city, you drive one mile west on the south side is a road there called Hearst Lane. It was named after me. It wasn't. It was named after my grand. But anyway, I like to say that. But anyway, uh, if you, that is where I grew up. And if you drive south all the way to the end, and then you turn and you go southwest for another about a half a mile, there is an old two-story log and mortar cabin. It is a 10-bedroom house. It, it, it is supposed to be the oldest house in Pottawatomie County. When my parents bought 260 acres over in Tecumseh, that house came with it. That house is still there, by the way, because I, I knew I was going to tell this story, so I went out there, and somebody lives there. I was able to go up to the gate. You can't see the house from the, the gate, and I was, there was a guy in his yard, and I was like, hey, is it all right if I come look at your house? And he goes, no. And I said, well, my daughter's here. We used to own it. I'd just like to prove to her that it exists. We're just gonna, I'm not going to do anything. I just want to hop the fence and come look at the house. Is it okay? And he goes, No. I said, okay. So I just walked down the fence line, and I saw that it was still there, and somebody still lives there. Well, what happened was when we bought that house, we went to look at it, and it was like somebody just stood up and walked out from 1950. There was an old wooden stove where you cooked, one of those blue wooden stoves, and over, over there there was a, a fire for, you know, to heat the house. And then you know, you, 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 uh, upstairs there were two sewing machines that you press with your feet. You know what I'm talking about? Those an there were antiques all over the house, and then there were iron beds and quilts and everything. It was just kind of like somebody just walked up and left that house, and it was very, very creepy to us as kids. When I was about 12, 13 years old, we would go look at the house. As you drove up, it was just a canopy of trees that, that led up to this old house. And, you know, it, in our minds, it became haunted. And then my mom took advantage of that, and she would tell us dreams she had about the old woman that lived in the house. And through the window towards the west, let her memory come to rest. And we're like, ooh. You know what I'm saying? We were just, my mom used to just mess with us, so we called that the haunted house, and we, but we would never go to that place at night. Well, when I was a freshman in high school, me and three or four other of my friends decided that we were going to prove our bravery by spending the night in this old house. So after a football game in November, we threw some uh, uh, sleeping bags in the back of a little Dotson pickup. Remember Dotson pickups? We threw a little, and then we took a, a couple of flashlights and then some stuff to, you know, an axe and stuff to make fire and, and things like that. And we drove up there, and I remember driving up and, you know, just the moving of the light and the shadows of just very, really creeped out as we got up there. Then it was pitch black except for the moonlight, and we got out, and we thought what we saw, something flying around the house, and we literally, get this, we caught a bat, we caught a bat with a fishing pole and a lure swinging in around. Have you ever been up close to a bat? They are from hell. 
I'm telling you, they're, they're creeped. So we were all creeped out by catching the bat. And then we, 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 we got in the house, and there was no door over the great room. There was a great big living room, and then there was a great big great room with a fireplace. So we decided that we would hole up in that, in that living room with that fire, and we put a big curtain over that. And then we were sitting around in cots and sleeping bags around that fire. You know, kind of a scary movie scene, right? We were telling each other scary stories, and everybody was, yeah, you're a chicken. Shut up, you know, stuff like that. We're just, all that's going on. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, we hear a creak in the second floor. Creak. And then, you know, we mess with each other a little bit. Ha, 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 no one. And then we actually hear a door creak open. And it was, without a doubt, we heard this, okay? And then it got really silent. And then we're like, did you tell anybody you were coming out? No, did you? You know, we, started, we start questioning each other, but we can't see because we're in this room with this curtain over. And then we hear something not walk down. We hear something very quietly try so we wouldn't hear walk down the stairs in the outside room and by then we're all up and it's just like oh no something's out there and so you know we all grab something from the garden I'm I'm holding a shovel and this guy over here in between me is is, you know or the guy over there he's holding a a garden rake and the guy in between me is holding you know a double-headed axe and I'm thinking this is a really really bad idea and we're sitting there, and all our, we know that whatever walked down is out there in that great room. And as we begin to look at that, we're all, you know, just sitting there like this, shaking, wondering what in the world is about to happen. And my friend in the middle says this. He goes, whatever you are out there, just go away and leave us alone. And I'm like, I don't think that worked. I, I don't think that worked. And then all of a sudden, we see the curtain flinch. And then we see a hand, a creeping, reach in, and we see a face, look in, and then, and then that's all we see, something just peer in and give it one of those, and then all hell breaks loose in that room. I mean, I mean, this guy starts swinging this, and I'm dodging the ax, and then, and then I'm saying, I don't know what to do, I'm on the show, I just sit there and go, ah! I just shake the shovel, that's all I do, ah! And then we put together this plan, listen guys, we can't stay up here we got to go out there, and we got to go after whatever's out there. So we're all like, we're like, Travis, listen, you open the curtain, and you go out first. Me? Why is it always me? You know, we're having these conversations, and we're trying to figure out what we're about to do, and then we hear this voice on the other side of there, and it's my dad, and he says, boys, it's me. Everybody calm down, and we come out, and we have a good laugh. My dad has dressed himself up in coveralls, put on a hockey mask and gloves, and came up there at 1 o'clock. Who does that? What kind of deranged person does that? I would never do anything like that, right, kids? You know, as we become men and women, you're not really afraid of monsters, of, of things that go bump in the night, but you do have real-life fears, There are things that we can fear. And what if you had to face your greatest fear? What would that look like? How would you get through it? What would your breakthrough moment look like in your life if you had to face the thing that you feared the most? There's somebody in the Bible, and we're going to go to his story in just a second, but he said that the thing that I feared the most has happened to me. I think it's interesting that he had to face his fear, and God led him through that. His name is Job, and most of us know his story. But I want to talk a little bit about the highlights of his story, and I want to talk to you about his breakthrough moment. Job 3 and 24 says this. Listen to what he says. 
I can't eat for my sign. I, my groans pour out like water. What I have always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only trouble comes. One translation of this verse, as I read this past week, he said this. I, I love this translation. The one thing that I feared the most has happened to me. The, the, thing that I, the thing that I dreaded or feared the most. How do you get through? How do you, how do you have a breakthrough moment when you face the thing that you fear the most? Let's talk about, let's talk about how Job had a breakthrough moment. We'll talk more about his breakthrough moment last week, but let's talk about how he was able to get through this moment in his life. The first thing that we realize about Job facing the thing that he feared the most to get to his breakthrough moment, the first thing was that he worshiped God. He worshiped God. In Job 1 and 1, it says this. It says there was, it gives a little bit of his backstory. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. Now, why did why, why did the writer of Job, it, it's, the book is written in Job's name, but there was chan, there's a really good chance that there was a writer who wrote this about his life. Why did he stop and write this? Because the book of Job is about a man that experienced extreme suffering that seemed to make no sense. That's what the book of Job is about. Somebody that experienced extreme suffering that, and it seemed to make no sense. When someone suffers a lot of times we think, well, that person had that coming. You reap what you sow. You get what you deserve. When somebody is suffering. But this is a book in the Bible to tell you that that is actually a lie. Job did not deserve this. This is proof. This book is proof that karma does not exist. That just because something bad happens to you does not mean you deserve that. In fact, the opposite it is true as far as this story. Because the writer opens up by saying... Job was a perfect man, not a perfect in every way, but perfect when it comes to his relationship with God. He lived above reproach. He had incredible integrity. Job, it's kind of like the book is prefaced with what you're about to read, Job did not deserve. The rest of the, 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 the passage goes on to say this. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Then it talks about his wealth. He had Seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys. He also had many servants. He was the richest person in all of the entire area. But then Job is tested. And before I read this, this is a view. We get to peer into what it looks like when God makes decisions. I believe that this was actually before the, the, the death of Christ. But we get to see just a little bit of insight into what heaven is like uh, where our enemy has a conversation with God and God says, all right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with whatever he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, the, the Lord's presence. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's house with this news. Here's what he said. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us and they stole all of the animals and killed the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was, having, while he was saying this, 
This servant was interrupted by the next servant that said this, that fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up all of your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one to escape. While he's speaking, a third servant arrives, interrupts him, and says this, three bands of Chaldeans uh, raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you this. If you lost everything, if you found out within a couple of minutes that you lost everything in your life, everything that you had worked for from day one, Everything, all of, all of your possessions, all of your income, all of your savings, all of your investments, everything, all of your past, present, and future, everything that you had, what would you think of? What would you be thankful for in your life if everything that you worked for was gone? You would say, probably, at least I have my, my what? My family. You would at least think that. You would, uh, you would at least say, at least I have my family. But maybe that's where Job's mind, mind went. But it didn't go for very long because as that servant was speaking, while he was still speaking, another servant arrived, a messenger arrived and said, your sons and your daughters. Imagine what Job was feeling in the pit of his stomach at this moment when he hears the words, your sons and your daughters. were feasting in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. And I'm the only one that escaped. So Job figures out in this moment, in just 60 seconds, that everything in his life was completely gone. All of his resources, and then, except for his wife, his entire family is gone. Let's look at his response. The 20th verse says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. That was a sign of grief. If you were a Jewish man, you tore your robe as a sign of grief. And then he shaved his head. Isn't it funny that people, go, when they go through a very, very tough time, they cut their hair, don't they? Have you noticed that? When people, when people go, I don't know if it's just the way we are. He says it shaved his head, and he fell to the ground to what? To worship. What in the world? The Bible says that he worshiped. And this is what he said. I came naked in, from my mother's womb. And I will be naked when I leave. I I had nothing when I arrived. I'll have nothing when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. And the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Imagine have the wherewithal. Imagine to have a faith that will worship in a time of grief. Job worshiped through his grief. You know, we worship God for his goodness, don't we? We worship God for his glory. We worship God for his greatness, but what, do, what about our grief? Do we worship not for our grief, but do we worship in our times of grief? If you did, that would make you different, wouldn't it? If you worship, not, you don't, you're not expected to worship God because of your suffering, but, but there is an example of a perfect man that the Bible gives us that he worships God in spite of his suffering. He worships God in spite of his grief. Many times we let our circumstances determine our view of God. And when we let our circumstances determine our view of God, we let our circumstances dictate our worship of God. When you let your circumstances determine your view of God, you let your circumstances dictate your worship of God. Sometimes our worship is determined by our view of his goodness. As long as God is good to me, I will worship him. 
Let me ask you a question. Do you worship God in light of your circumstances or do you worship God in spite of your circumstances? Let me say that again. Do you worship God in light of your circumstances or do you worship God in spite of your circumstances? Do your problems affect your praise or does your praise affect your problems? Can I ask you another question? When is the last time you worshiped God and you spoke of his goodness when you were going through a struggle? Or did you, in your time of struggle, did you just cry out to God and cry out to God? Or did you spend some time and worship God in his goodness right in the middle of your struggle? That's what Job did that was so different. Lord, I will honor you no matter what. We need to have that kind of attitude. Lord, I will honor you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe for your goodness and your guidance in this situation. And I believe that you're going to come through. And Lord, I speak that in the name of Jesus. But in case you decide not to, you're still God. You're still the God that is on the throne, and I believe in you, and I'll never turn my back on you. Lord, everything I have is because of you, and if it all gets taken away, you're still God. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. That'll change your perspective, and that'll change your situation if you will worship God in the midst of your suffering. Amen? The Lord is able, but even if he doesn't, Remember Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego before they were thrown into the fiery furnace? They said, the Lord is able to deliver us, but if he didn't show up, we're still not going to bow down. Even if the Lord doesn't come through. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to take you through your situation. He's going to give you a breakthrough, so you might as well worship God. Amen? You might as well worship. He, on the other side of it, there's going to be provision. On the other side of it, he's going to take care of you. You might as well worship, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you might as well worship. You might as well. Because he's, he's always taking you through, and he's going to take you through this. Worship him when you're sick. Worship him when you're grieving. Worship him when you're hurting. Worship God when you're broke. Worship God when you're jobless. Worship God when you're all alone. Worship God in your struggle, and worship God when you're afraid. Amen? Amen? Like Job, worship him in your toughest times, and he'll take you through your toughest times. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor one more time. Say, well, you might as well worship. The second thing that we see about Job that took him through to his breakthrough was not only did he worship, but number two, he didn't blame God for his circumstances. He didn't blame God. Job 1 and 22 says, In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. I, I think that's, that's a very powerful and interesting verse. It didn't just say, it doesn't just say he didn't blame God. It says that he did not sin by blaming God. Could it be possible that when we blame God for circumstances and things that go wrong in our lives, it takes us down a path of sin? I'll show you that here in just a second. When things get bad, many times we question God's motives. As long as things are, you know, it's smooth sailing, as long as things are working out, we, you know, we're, we're, things are powerful, God is wonderful, but a lot of times when things go wrong in our lives, we begin to question God's motives and God's provision and God's protection. I want to tell you something. God did not cause Job's trial, although he allowed Job's trial. There's a difference in, in somebody causing something and, and somebody 
allowing something. God did not cause. God did not cause his suffering and his trial, but God did allow it. God does not cause your suffering. God did not, did not cause your sickness. God did not cause whatever's happening in your life, although God may have allowed it. Listen, a lot of times people will question even the existence of God because of things that they don't agree or because they blame God about things that are happening in their lives and in the world. It, well, if God doesn't move when I expect him to, well, God must not exist. Do you know anybody that doesn't believe in God? A lot of times it comes from this, that once upon a time they believed in God and they tried faith or there was something that they prayed for or they prayed for a loved one and that loved one passed away and when God did not move, they came to the conclusion over this instance, over another instance, maybe two or three things that have happened. Well, God must not exist as if God owes us something. A lot of times we think that we, we want God to come through as if God owes us something. Let me be very clear, and I'm not trying to step on any toes. This is something that I tell myself when I'm going through something. I ask, hey, what's up, God? You know what I'm saying? As a pastor, sometimes I do that. Hey, are you forgetting about your buddy Trav down here, your son Trav? You know, God does not owe me anything. My debt for everything, for sin and for eternal salvation was paid at the cross. Yes. Are you hearing me? He doesn't have to do one more thing. If, if, if it's lights out for Travis by tomorrow, God doesn't owe me anything. A, a lot of times we get all wrapped up in this, you know, the best, your best life ever, purpose-driven life, and I'm all for that, those things. I'm all about discovering your gifting in God, but God doesn't, God doesn't uh, promise you that you're going to have a wonderful life in this life. If that be the case, if you believe that, you need to read what happened to the apostles. Read about Paul's life. If you have anything beyond salvation in this life, it's just gravy, right? It's, it's, just, it, it, it's, it's just, it's dessert after a wonderful meal. What God did for you at the cross at Calvary, that is all. I mean, he doesn't owe me one more thing. And a lot of times think, people think, you know, God owes me this or I deserve. Have you ever heard anybody say, I deserve to be happy? You don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. Because he paid my debt at Calvary, and no matter what happens in my life, I'll be dead in 50 years no matter what, right? So will you, well, maybe not you, okay, we'll all be dead in 100 years, okay? Is that pretty safe? So God, no matter, God is taking care of it in the next life. So he doesn't owe us anything. He paid your eternal debt for sin at the cross. Everything else is just benefits. If God exists, I've heard people say this, then why do people suffer? Why do people suffer? And a lot of people say, because people suffer, because the world is out of balance, then God does not exist. Listen, blaming God for the world's problems, for the suffering, I want to tell you something. We did this all by ourselves. In the garden, we turned our back on God. And it was so bad after that that God had to bring a flood into the world. The sin was so bad that God brought a flood into the world to wipe out mankind and then bring back again. again. And then he brings in Abraham to provide a, a solution for salvation. We always turn and walk away from God. This world is in the state that it's in because of millenniums and centuries of us and our free will and choice. We did this. And a lot of people blame God for the world's problems. Why doesn't God do something? He did. He left you and me in charge. 
Well, well, why doesn't God, is God going to do something? He is definitely going to do something. Right now is the church age. Right now is, it's, it's up to you and me and the church. It, right now we're evangelizing the world. We're getting this ready for what God is going to do. He's about to return and set the world in order and perfect everything. God is going to do something. But right now, we did this. So blaming God for the things that go wrong in the world. God didn't do this. Here's another thing. Blaming God for the bad things that happen in this world is a trap. It's a trap because it leads to doubt and it leads to disobedience. If we blame, if we blame God for the bad things that have happened to us in this life, it causes us to doubt the goodness of God. Therefore, it causes us to disobey God and eventually become unfaithful. You have to be very careful not to blame God for the bad things that has happened to you in this life. And I know, I know very few people that have not suffered in some way that looked to God and wondered why such a bad thing has happened. I have talked to so many people ministering in church. I've talked to so many people that grew up in homes where they were abused. I've talked to so many people that were taken advantage of when they were teenagers. Almost more have suffered than not. And if you haven't gone through something that has rocked your world, that has caused you to even question whether or not God exists, you have been blessed. Because a lot of people have, have suffered in such a way they think, how does God in any way allow something to happen? But I want to tell you something. Blaming God for what has happened to you is a trap because it will cause you to doubt, disobey, and eventually become unfaithful to God. Are you hearing me? God did not cause whatever bad thing happened to you. He didn't cause that. Well, God, God did not stop it. That's true. And I don't have an answer to that. But I can tell you this. He also did not stop the torture and the murdering of his own son. I do know this, that he used it and he brought good out of it. I, don't, I would think that as a God, you would come to a better way to bring salvation to man than to allow your son to die. I don't understand that. I don't understand why, why bad things happen to good people. I don't understand why people have to suffer loss. I don't understand why I've had to do funerals for families that lost children. I don't understand all these things. But I want to tell you something. If you blame God for the bad things that have happened to you in this life, it is a trap that leads to doubt and disobedience. Listen to me. You will never experience the wonder of God. God brought some wonderful things out of the death of his son. He brought some wonderful things out of people that have suffered. You will never be able to experience the wonder of what God can do through your brokenness until you stop blaming God for your brokenness. Let me say that again. You will never experience the wonder of what God can do through your brokenness until you stop blaming God for your brokenness. And here's what he will do. He will take your broken life, and not only will he put it back together, but he will make something very beautiful out of it to the extent that you will look back and say, had I not experienced that, I don't want to go through it again, but I can tell you this, had not I not experienced that, I would not experience the beauty of what God is doing in my life right now. Amen? 
When faced with his greatest fear, Job did not sin by blaming God. I want to stop right there, and I want to tell you this. God helped Job experience a breakthrough despite facing his greatest fear. And as I close, I want to say this. Job never stopped worshiping God. How do you do it? Job never stopped worshiping God. And Job didn't blame God for the situation that he went through. Next week, I'm going to finish this. You don't want to miss it. Next week, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to talk about how he got through it. There were two other things that he did, I believe. But I have a couple of questions for you about today's message. How is God speaking to you right now? Are you going through something right now in your life, a struggle, a hurt, a situation? How's your worship in this moment? You don't have to worship God for the situation, but you can worship God through the situation. I want to tell you that's important. That's really important. I'm, I'm, I'm touching on what I'm going to be saying next week, but Job said, are we only to accept good from God and not be trusted with the bad? That's why we got, that's why we got to worship, not because we can have be positive role models. It's because despite whatever situation, when we worship God, even in the toughest times, God honors our worship. The second thing I want to ask you, are you blaming God for something that has happened to you? And is it affecting your relationships in your life? You're blaming God, but it's affecting your family. You're blaming God, and you don't go to church. You're blaming God, and you don't serve. You're blaming God, and you won't have anything to do with the purpose that God has for your life. You're blaming God, and it's affecting your relationship with and all this, the Bible said, Job did not sin by blaming God. It leads us to sin. You've got to experience the wonder that God will do through your brokenness. But you've got to stop blaming him for your brokenness. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And thank you, Lord, for ministering. I pray that you will speak to every heart and every life as we pray. As your heads are bowed. If you're watching this online, if you'll just bow your heads. If God is speaking to you right now about your worship and your struggle in the midst of your struggle, is God talking to you about your relationship with him because what you're blaming him for, whatever that is, as we pray, you belong to Christ. He's Lord and Savior of your life right now. I just want you to let that go. We're going to start with that. Whatever you're blaming God for right now, I just want you to let that go. I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's got a hurt, every person that's been injured, something bad has happened to her or him in their lives. Right now, Lord, I pray, as we pray, we will begin to let that go. We will release that. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you will bring healing. And Lord, I pray that you will begin to move in the lives of people that Lord, we wonder why that happened. We wonder how that happened. And we blame you, Lord. I pray that we let that go in the name of Jesus. And as we begin to let that go, right now, we will worship you. We will worship you in the midst of our struggle, in the midst 
of our trial. In the name of Jesus, will you stand if you're in the house? Everybody stand with me right now. Just go ahead and stand. We just, will you take the music up just a little bit? And right now, I just want you to worship the Lord in your own way. You might be going through something. You might be going through a struggle. You might be going through something that you're facing. But right now, I just want you to worship the Lord. I just want you to uh, praise God for his goodness. I want you to praise God in spite of your situation. I just want you to worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we worship you today. Yes, we give you glory and honor for all that you are. Yes, Father. We worship you, Lord, for your goodness. Yes, we worship you, Lord, for your mercy. Yes, Father. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of anything that we're going through, Lord, we worship you. Come on, guys. Yes, worship Father. the Lord. Lord, we worship we love you, God, Jesus. for everything we that you are. We worship you. Us. Lord, we thank you, God. You're so good. Lord, we worship you in the midst of our trial. Yes, Jesus. Lord, we worship you in the midst of our struggle. Yes, Father. We worship you in spite of, our, uh, of the bad things that have happened to us, Lord. We don't blame you for them, Lord. You are our God. Your word says that you inhabit or you dwell within the praises of your people, Lord. We pray, God, that you will live in our hearts as we worship you, Lord. May our lives worship you, Lord. Yes, Father. Not yes, just Jesus. with the words of our mouths, but our lives. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we worship you in your house today. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As you bow your heads, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Because nobody's looking around in the house. Maybe you're watching this online and you don't know Jesus. If you could say, Travis, I'm not right with God. I have not given my life to Christ. And you feel like the Lord is dealing with you today. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, walk the aisles or anything like that. I just want you to pray a prayer with the entire congregation. If you're watching this online and you can say, Travis, I'm not right with God. And today I feel God is calling me home. As I pray this prayer, I want you to pray it with me. Real quickly, if you're here in the house and you can say, Travis, that's me. If you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to give my life to Christ. Quickly, just put your hand up and put it down. Anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm just going to ask one more time. Anybody say that? Okay. All right, I want everybody to just repeat this prayer after me. And if you're watching us online and God is dealing with you right now, repeat this prayer come home to Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today. I am before you today. And I give you my life. And I give you my life. And I ask you. And I ask you. To be Lord and Savior of my life. To be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Today. And I make you Lord and Savior of my life today. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. That you died for me and rose from the dead. That you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on. And from this moment on. My life is committed to you. My life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Let's celebrate those that have given their lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that have come home. If you gave your life to Christ today, if you will text SAVED to the number that you see on the screen, uh, we just want to touch base with you, talk about next steps, congratulate you, and thank you for being part, welcome you as being part of the family. Uh, before we let you go, I, I want Baylor to come up. We're going to talk just a little bit about something that, uh, that we are excited about. Yeah. So, Baylor, why are you out here? Well, the reason that I'm out here and the reason that I'm excited is next week, uh, the host team is relaunching. We've had greeters before, um, but we're doing a full relaunch of the host team. Now, y'all know what that means? 
Coffee Bar is back. Can I get a praise break for the coffee bar? Ho on this coffee. I had, to, I had to wake up and make it myself on a Sunday. I had to make coffee myself. I'm so excited for the coffee bar to be back. Um, that being said, I thought it was a really good opportunity to talk about serving for a second. Um, real quick, can you guys throw that, throw that up here the whole time that we're talking about this? Um, I wanna challenge people in here today. If you don't serve, if you're not a part of the dream team, do that. You know what I mean? Be a part of the dream team. Let me tell you, at Faith Coast Students, God has supplied us with a thriving youth ministry. But I'll tell you what, at the rate we are growing, our leader base is not sustainable, which is a blessing. And it's a good problem to have, but we probably want about a leader for every five students. And our youth ministry is growing at a, rap, at a far more rapid rate than the leaders that we have. So if you have free Wednesday nights, hey, if you don't have free Wednesday nights, I wanna challenge you to make some time. But if you do have free Wednesday nights, come out. Come out and see what that's about. Or if you want to be, I mean, maybe maybe you're good with kids. Let me tell you something. Kids Pastor Nicole needs your help. The host team needs your help. I, I was going to say, yeah. I, I serve, Baylor asked me to come down and serve with the students. And uh, I may have broke a few ankles out on the basketball court. <laughs> I no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I can't keep up with them, but I have so much fun playing basketball. And, and you know what, what, what I was telling uh, some of the leaders, I'm like, yeah. Our, the next generation, needs us to make a connection. Yes. It's, it's not about, you know, being cool. If it were about being cool, I, I wouldn't have a chance. But it's about making a connection. I am so interested in uh, these young guys that are coming up on the basketball teams and the football teams and the band. Just just being a part of their lives is tremendous. So, I, man, I, that's one of the things. If, if, if As he's talking about the dream team, serving, if, if I weren't doing this and playing that guitar and preaching, I would be in that kids' ministry or I'd be in youth ministry simply because the next generation is the best job in the house. Anyway, I agree. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. That was good. Please interrupt me if you have good stuff to say. Yeah, absolutely. But um, uh, well, so what I was going to say was if you want to join the Dream Team, and you do, everyone in here wants to join the Dream Team, um, all you have to do is text SERVE to the number on that back screen, and you'll notice that it's different. It's different than our text saved or text welcome number. That's my personal cell phone number. I wanna get you guys connected and connected quickly to serve on the dream team, to work within your purpose. We haven't done it in a while, but I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I run growth track. My favorite part of my job, more than youth ministry, more than connect groups, more than operations, more than anything that I do at Faithco is growth track because it gets people plugged into their purpose. Let me plug you into your purpose. That's why I exist. That's why God made me. God made me as a bridge to get people to their purpose. That's what I believe about myself. So let me do that for you. Let me help you get connected to a ministry where you're gonna thrive and where you're gonna end up getting more back to what you give into. Um, thanks, Jose. I knew exactly who that was. I love when people say, come on. My youth ministry over there knows that. Um, but other than that, that's all I have to say about serving. Um, text that number if you want to join the dream team and to start living in purpose. One more um, thing. We're going to be talking about this, and I'm going to get off stage. So, um, uh, we're going to be talking about this every week for the next month. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. December, December, is, uh, December of love is love gives. The next two months are served. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, you guys are already standing, so don't worry about standing. You guys nice and stretched out? Yeah? Did you guys like today's message? I know I did. It was awesome. It was awesome. 
Hey, we're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. I'm gonna get you guys out of here. I'm gonna say a quick blessing over your life. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. And may he show you his favor and give you his peace. And everyone said, you guys have a great week.